My name is Grace, and thanks for tuning in to the GT Young Adults Podcast. We're a community, a part of GT Church in Victoria, BC. We love Jesus and have a passion to learn and live like Him and have a ton of fun doing it. All of the messages and conversations you find here will point you to His truth and His hope, so lean into whatever God wants to speak to you today. Enjoy what you're about to hear, and thanks for listening. You doing good? It's great. Welcome to The Six. My name is Lucas. Thanks for joining us tonight. Really appreciate that you're here. I hope you know every Sunday night this can be a place where you just feel encouraged, uplifted, where you can worship together with friends, family, and we can hear uh, from God's word together. There are, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. We got, like I said, Sunday socials coming, like Jackson was saying, the fry, the buffet fry bar. We made sure to get options, guys. Like, you got to have waffle fries. There's like the smiley faces, which I don't love those. I don't know why. They're not different. It's all just deep fried potato, but there are different tastes, right? All the dips. It's going to be great. We're in a series called Questions We Asked Jesus. We started with a series called Questions Jesus Asked. This is kind of the series within the series. We're asking kind of, in the next four weeks, we're going to tackle what I think are difficult and challenging questions. Last week, we asked the question, Jesus, do you even care? Right? We had that kind of dialogue, that conversation. This week, the question is all about eternal life. How do I inherit eternal life is the exact question that we find with the young rich ruler. And the next two weeks are interesting. They're two questions I think we've, we've thought of or we've asked ourselves. One being, God, just give me a sign. Won't you just give me a sign? Does anyone want that moment? Like, just would you lightning bolt this moment, Lord? Just send me the person, send me the job, do the thing, whatever it is. Like, I need a sign, Lord. And then the week after that, we're asking and answering the question, what is truth? A deep philosophical, theological question. Those are the next four weeks. Tonight, again, is how do I inherit eternal life? Or I should say all four weeks. We're talking about destiny. We're talking about what happens. Where are we going? What's, that's a question that I know just like percolates for many of us. What is next after this whole thing? And I just, I have to say, I know for me, like this is the question that I know tugs at the heart and the mind of many. Um, I have a brother whom I, a brother-in-law whom I, do, I love dearly. And I remember, and I don't think he would not call himself a Christian. He would not profess himself to be a Christian. Um, I remember at his grandma, Trina's grandma's funeral, we were there and Seth was giving this beautiful speech. And I remember him saying so profoundly, so beautifully, in only a way that he could as, as grandson saying, I don't know, I don't pretend to know if there's a heaven or not, but I do know if there is one, my granny deserves to be there. You know, and I, was, I really resonated with that. That was six or seven years ago at least. And I just remember thinking like, here's someone who would not profess to be a Christian and yet sees a quality and a virtue in a person, someone he loves dearly and says, I don't know what's after this, but if there's a, if there's a nice place, if there's a heaven, if there's a whatever, Valhalla, if there's an oasis, if there's some place to go, she deserves it. She's done enough to get in. And for even him, it it was interesting, right? And I know for you and for me, like, I don't have no funny story at the top because this question just rings true in all of our hearts. It's something that kind of, again, we've asked before. What actually happens? Is there? What's next? And so I want to take us, honestly, I'm not going to go long tonight. I say that all the time, I'm sure. But I'm not going to go long tonight. And I want to just read the whole thing. I like to kind of do like eight or ten verses max because that's all I can get through. But I want to read this whole story 
and kind of just pose a couple thoughts at the end of it. Just break it down and ask a few, few thoughts as we talk about this question. How do I inherit eternal life? So if you have a Bible, you can go to Mark 10. The same story can be found in Luke. I think it's Luke 18, Matthew 19. Check the pastor on his Bible there. It's right in front of you at page 810 in that blue Bible, 820, something like that. It's going to be on the screen. Just follow on the screen. It's so much easier. But if you have a Bible, good for you. Bonus points. You're going to heaven. Here we go. You ready? Just kidding. Not quite. Mark 10, verse 17. You ready? As he was setting out on a journey, he being Jesus, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do, excuse me, what shall I do so that I may inherit eternal life? There's our question right at the top. What must I do so that I may inherit eternal life? But Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, don't steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Looking at him, I love this, underline this in your Bible if you have one. Jesus showed love to him and said to him, one thing you lack, circle lack, go and sell all all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But he, being the gentleman, the rich young ruler, was deeply dismayed by these words. And he went away grieving, for he was the one who owned much property. Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, How hard will it be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus responded again and said to them, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were even more astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Verse 27, looking at them, Jesus said, with people, it is impossible, not with God, for all things are possible with God. And there's even more to that. You can keep reading it, but truthfully, I just feel like this scripture, there's a lot here. Like I just, I, I, you could write a book about this section alone. Like there's just so much. And so if you know me at all, I'm not trying to skip or get past. We're only gonna get so far um, in this, but I wanted to give you as much context as possible. To this person, he's he's a rich young ruler, and you kind of get we hear that we know that from both Mark's version, Luke's version, and Matthew's version. And I actually think, and some of you may laugh at this, I think that this congregation, this group, you, but all these people here, you can relate to this guy more than you realize. I really do. He's rich, and, and there's much to be said about his wealth here. The Greek word is like an abundance of wealth, like. He's spending money every day and he's not running out. Like a lot of money. Like Bo would say, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Like that's, there's a lot of money here, okay? And I, so it's, it's an abundance beyond extreme. Like there's a ton of stuff here. He has stuff. But I, for me, at least I was reflecting. I feel like, friends, we, we are, we're rich. And I'm like so scared to say that because you're like, you want to see my bank account? Like, do you really want to talk about this? I just feel like there, we live in a place where we have access, don't we? Like, truthfully, like, we live in Victoria. Like, if you have a stable job, whether you like it or not, if you have a stable job and you're able to afford rent or, or a house or whatever it may be, you have whatever it may look like, if you own a car, if you're able to go with your friends to Big Wheel tonight or for whatever it is, you got fries, you don't need to go there, okay. Like, that's, you're doing pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, we, ha- we, have, we have affluence. There's some money here. Like, I get it. Like, if you're able to make enough money to encourage others, to take someone out for a coffee, to, like I said, have a vehicle, whatever it may be, there's some money there. I think at first when we can look at this guy and be like, oh, this guy's he's far beyond me. He's different. There are things. There is stuff. We have excess. We have accessibility. We, we see and we have 
money and things and stuff and toys and dirt bikes and other things and this and that and three guitars and we go to Tofino every weekend. Like, we have stuff. You do. I know you do. I'm on, I see you on Instagram. You're there all the time. Gas is $2.22 and how are you affording with Tofino right now? I have no idea. It's just not worth it. It's barely worth it to go to Langford. I don't, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Langford's great. I love Langford. I'm just, I love Langford. No jokes. I'm in Central Saanich. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I get it. I, I, I know things are expensive. I know our city's expensive. I get it. I'm not, I'm not oblivious to that. Inflation is real. Okay. But we have stuff, don't we? A lot of us have expensive clothes. The boots we wear. Whatever it is. Like we have things. And I don't actually believe that this whole thing is about money. I also don't think it's not about money. I think some people would like to say, like, this, this really isn't about money. It's about something else entirely. No, it's a little bit about money for sure. But this whole thing isn't fully there. And so I just see him and I think, yeah, I have abundance. I have excess. I go to Costco and spend a little too much. Right? Like, I, I get it. No one here does that. Just the dad. Fair enough. Fair enough. He's a rich young ruler. Young. Like, we are young. You are young. This, this term young refers to anyone between, like, 20 and 40. Okay? So if you're below 40, let's go! Right? I know there's a lot of people in here who are like, I'm 31. Am I allowed to come? Yes. You're allowed to be here. It's great. I'm 31. I'm in charge of this thing. Like, we're fine. You're young. Like, you're spry. You have you're so much ahead of you. And that's really what this is all about. He's a rich young ruler, meaning the young, the youthfulness here, isn't like a... It's not a derogatory term, not being, oh, he's a young punk. It's not what it's about. It's saying there's life ahead of him. There's purpose ahead of him. The, his, he is young, and there's spry, and there's youthfulness, and there's excitement around that. This word is a, is a positive connotation, not a negative one. For many of you, you're 30, and you're like, oh, I have so much I think about. No, no, no. You have so much ahead of you. We have so much ahead of us. Everyone, just take a big, deep breath, and everyone relax. We don't have to have it all figured out right now. I'm serious. This is important. <clears throat> we have so much still ahead of us. You are young, and that is a good thing. Whether you're 30 or 40, whatever it is, even 40, like there's so much life in front of us, and we get so stressed because we're turned 26, and this happened, or that thing, and relax. This is a good thing, and there's, there's a happiness, a full of life. There's lots ahead, and this is, a, this is a positive, like I said, term here, not a negative one. Ruler. He's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. Really what this means is he has a notoriety within the Jewish culture. He's probably a religious ruler. Uh, it, it would be odd for a Roman ruler or a Roman citizen to come and like bow before another rabbi like that. That probably wouldn't have happened. So just to give you context, he probably is in like a part of the Sanhedrin, which is like this Jewish council that were very, very high up, often wealthy. So he has lots of notoriety. He's got influence, friends. Six, you have influence. No, no, not me. Yeah, you, us, we, this generation, we have influence. Absolutely. Friends, we can pump something up and bring it down just on some posts on Instagram. We have influence. You have friends, you have family. There are, there's teachers in here that I know you have influence with students every single day, five times a week. Like you have influence. You have, like I said, family members. Just think about that. Some of you came with family and friends tonight. There's influence there. If you have more than one like, follower, you have, in, you have influence. There are like incredible people in here, firefighters and record producers and counselors and teachers and nurses. There are people in here with influence. We can relate to this guy. 
And that's not always the case in the Bible. Honestly, there's sometimes we're like, we have to understand the context because this doesn't relate to us. But we, we can absolutely relate to this person. So I just want to, like, again, I want to walk through this story a little bit and give you one thought and read some French fries. Mean it. We're going to eat lots. Good teacher, he says. This is a big term. This is a, like, kind of has divinity attached to it. You wouldn't say good to, an, uh, to a rabbi at this time, which is really interesting. So really what he's saying is godly teacher is how he's defining it. That's why Jesus kind of backs him up. He's like, whoa, 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 what are you saying? Good teacher? What he's actually saying there is, do you mean that? Do you really mean what you're saying? He's not just saying, yo, you're good, teacher, I like you. No, no, he's saying godly teacher. He's actually posing something really big here, and he's actually asking this man again, he's saying, do you actually see me as God? What are you actually saying? I read a lot of commentaries on this in this part, which is really funny. This guy's totally sucking up. He's like, come down. He's like, good teacher. He's like, I need to tell you something. He's like, totally like kid coming. Georgia does this right now where she'll come down the stairs singing this song she heard on Coco Melon for Bo. And she'll go, my daddy is the best, the best there ever was. And she'll just kind of hum it. Like she's not singing it loud, just enough so dad can hear it, literally. My daddy is the best. I love him just because. <laughs> dad, daddy, da-da. Can I have some popcorn? Like, that's literally what happens. That's the whole moment. Sings a song, says, Dad, Dada, Daddy, ask me for food. Like, that is, it's like, no, yes, sure you can. She gets popcorn every time. She gets, eats a lot of popcorn. And that's what's kind of happening here. He's like sucking up a little bit, and Jesus is calling him on that. He's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Do I know you? Do you mean that? What are you actually asking me right now? And I wonder sometimes if we approach God similarly. Hey, big guy. No, it's been a while, but I've been pretty good lately. Could use a hand, not gonna lie. In rough shape. No, no, no. Guys, God is not looking for you to portray a person or look better than you are. God is very much aware of our every motive. You're not fooling him. You're not fooling yourself. He is aware of every motive. And this is why he calls to us in such a way that says, I want to know what's on your heart. I want to see vulnerability. I want to see authenticity. I think that's why this generation wants that so bad is because we know there's nothing worse than lying to yourself. There's nothing worse than lying to each other, putting on a face, putting on a mask. We're sick of it. We're tired of it. We don't want it to someone, a leader or whoever it is to say one thing and then do another. We just want real, authentic, like true honesty. And God is saying, that's what I want too. You don't have to come and pretend. I just need you to come and be yourself. I'm aware of your motives. And he's calling this rich ruler on it. And I think he's calling us on it too. He's asking us just to come as we are with everything we have, not hiding anything because it doesn't feel right anyways. And then he goes on and lists all these commandments and says all these things. Interestingly enough, they're all about others. Notice that he skips some. He only says the ones that are about the external, loving your neighbor. He only talks about not stealing, not like defaming or defrauding your neighbor, right? Honoring your father and mother. Don't cheat on your spouse. And then verse 21, and this is really good. This is really important. And this is where I'm ending. Robbie, you can come up. I told you I was gonna be quick, I promised. Verse 21, it says this. And again, if you have your own Bible with you tonight, can you please like underline this, star it, circle it, whatever it takes, okay? Looking at him. You hear me? Looking at him. Jesus showed love to him and said to him, one thing you lack. One thing you lack. 
really important. Go and sell all you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And it says, come follow me. I need you to see this sentence. I need you to see verse 21. This is really key. Looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said, one thing you lack, then gives him something to do, and then actually gives him the answer. He says, one thing you lack. By the way, go and sell all you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. One thing you lack, you don't follow me. By the way, all those possessions you have are the thing that are keeping you from following me. This is really key. This is not, like, whenever you read the Bible, you have to ask yourself, is this prescriptive or descriptive? Is this describing something for me or is this prescribing something for me to do and to take and to walk with? And Jesus says something really clear. One thing you lack. He's talking specifically to this rich young ruler. And that's why we don't look at this and say, okay, every single person here, go sell everything, move somewhere else, whatever it takes. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, you specifically, this thing that you need to know most about, you rich young ruler, your possessions, your money, your affluence continues to get in the way with the relationship with me, which is really what is all about when it comes to this question. How to inherit like eternal life? Come and follow me. That's the answer. Like, go read Ephesians 1 and 2 tonight, friends. It's, great. it's the grace of Jesus. Faith in Jesus Christ by his mercy on the cross. It's the only way. It's a relationship with him. It's nothing you could do. That's why this question is so flawed. What must I do? You, nothing. You can't. And we know this. If you've been to church at all, you know this. We preach this. We talk about this all the time. But what's so interesting here, he says, one thing you lack. This is your one thing. And it's for us, it could be something different. It's so interesting. In all of his excess, in all of the excess and abundance he has, Jesus says, you lack. Guys, this is really profound. All of your stuff blinds you. All of your things holds you back from something better. saying, you need to slay this idol, this thing. And of course, he keeps moving on. And he literally says, but he was deeply dismayed by these words. And he went on away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. He doesn't follow him. He doesn't. He walks away. From what we can tell in the story, he walks away sad. Because now he has to give up a thing that is what? An idol? Yes. What else? His savior. Savior. I think our generation, I mean this, I think our generation suffers from what I like to call like Solomon syndrome, where we have a lot of stuff, abundance and affluence, where we have much influence, where we have youthfulness. We have all of these things, youthfulness, affluence, influence, whatever it is, money, things, stuff. And yet we still suffer from emptiness. Solomon had every single thing in the world. And what did he say? Vanity. Emptiness. It's meaningless. And I think we suffer from this. We, we have all of this stuff, this excess. And yet we find ourselves with emptiness. And this guy comes and he asks a question about eternity. Why? Because he had everything. And yet he had emptiness. He had all of this stuff. And yet he had no savior. He had everything he could ever want. And yet he was lonely. 
we can read time in and time again. We can go through the wisdom literature. We can look at Psalm and we can look at these stories. We can continue to see people. And we see his stories all the time. I, I, I tell the story all the time. I think it was Deion Sanders or someone who won, who won the Super Bowl, won Super Bowl MVP. He goes home, begins to weep, weep on his, he drove home, I think he said in his Ferrari, he comes to his room, he begins to weep because he understood he just did the very thing he thought he would bring him all the happiness in the world to win a Super Bowl, to win MVP, and yet he felt empty. And we can have all this stuff. We can see people in culture, we see celebrities who look like they have it all, fame and all this stuff, and yet they suffer from such mental illness because there's something missing. And it's a really easy answer. How do I inherit eternal life? It's a relationship with Jesus. It's come, follow me. There's a deeper, tougher thing we have to work through here. And I wonder if we can't understand that real grace, that love of Jesus, because we've never really experienced real, real lack. Real lack. One story before we go. I had the opportunity to be in India Five, 10 years ago, a little while ago. And I remember preaching to kids, which I don't do that often. And these are like little kids and they were like right up at the front, like crisscross applesauce, as cute as you've ever seen. Like just sitting there looking up and they're, and they're listening to every word. And I just was like truly blown away. Like by the end of the week, I was just like, Pastor Crystal, like they listen so good. They listen better than all of, all of the youth that I preach to every week on Thursdays back home. It was true. Some of you were there, and they did. They, they listened to you so much better. They're like hanging on every single word. We preach about Jesus. We preach about the gospel. We're talking about the good news and the miracles and the things happening, these little kids. I have this vivid picture, I'll never leave my mind, of this sweet little girl, couldn't be more than seven years old, sitting with tears in her eyes, waving her arms, worshiping Jesus, a posture of gratitude and joy. And yet I know she's going home to something terrible probably. And I remember asking Pastor Christo, like, how did it, what? They listen just so good. And he's like, because this is all they have. All they have is Jesus. Now again, I'm not telling you to go home and sell everything. I'm asking you to take an inventory of your life. And I wonder if there is stuff, things that are getting in the way of that honest, real relationship with Jesus. Stuff that maybe has become savior. And we're asking this question, God, like, what about eternity? What about heaven? What about moving forward? And God is saying, you can't even see that because you have so much stuff in the way right now. And this guy went away sad. This guy went away, I don't know. He went away. That's all we know is he walked. We don't know what happened. He walked away with excess and yet he walked away empty. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to have excess and walk away empty. I want to be able to surrender all of it and to take a step in and say, Jesus, take over anything and everything that I have. And so for you, maybe for you, just as a practical thought as I, as I close, what's one place that you could really just surrender to God that you know has become maybe a little bit too much of an idol? Is it money? You just won't, you just can't surrender that thing. Is it, is it, is it your job? Is it success? Maybe your Instagram doesn't need to look in such a way you can hand that over. Maybe it's even in worship. Can I encourage you? 
like a closed off posture and just like maybe releasing yourself and opening up to the songs we sing and what God has for you. Why don't you stand to your feet with me as we close. Would you close your eyes? I want to pray pray a blessing over you. I want to encourage you. Would you just take a moment with your eyes closed, away from anyone you came with, just asking yourself. I'm sure you've asked the question before, how do I inherit eternal life? Friends, the answer is to follow Jesus, is to let him and his grace and his mercy, to claim it for yourself, to, 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 to say, Jesus, I love you more than anything else. Be in my heart, be the savior of my life. But more than that, I ask you guys right now, if you're not in a place of real lack in some areas, I just wonder if you're gonna continue to be your own savior. And so I would encourage you, I want you to experience real love right now. I believe the only way that happens is with surrender, like truly surrendering everything, every feeling, every emotion to Jesus. And I can't do it for you. That's why I don't wanna try and work up some big thing or moment. I just, I want you to experience that. I want you to step into it. So not who you came with, friends, family, mom or dad. If you wanna just surrender it all to Jesus. If you wanna need a savior tonight, I encourage you just to reach out, to lift up your hands, to posture yourself in a way that really says, God, it's you first. I'm a lot like this guy we read. I have a lot of stuff. I do have influence. I do have things. And yet there's an emptiness inside of me. God wants to fill that right now. It's all across this place with your arms open. Your heart's ready to receive. Heavenly Father, I pray over every person right now. Male, female, young and old. God, would you place a blessing right now, a release right now for people to truly surrender the things that hold them back from letting you be savior. God, maybe it's just a desire for a job or a successful amount of money. Maybe it's just a specific relationship. Maybe it's a specific person or even a thing, or even like I said, like schoolwork, whatever it is, just a dream or an idol. God, I just pray right now in Jesus' name, you would slash idols and replace them with the love of Jesus for the person who continues to question and ask about eternity and next and heaven, Lord. I pray they would worry about right now, getting their heart right with you in Jesus' mighty name, that there would be a heart to know you personally, to be honest with you every day. God, I pray right now that there would be a generation rising up, that all they may have influence, that they would use it for your kingdom. That if there is affluence, they would use it for your good. If there is youthfulness, I pray they'd use that energy for your furthering of Jesus, of your fame and not their own. I pray, Lord, that we would not be a generation that walks empty and void and meaningless, but with hope and with life, God, that there would be a real tangible experience right now that we would be okay with lacking because we know, God, where we lack, you fill. In you, Jesus, I lack nothing in your name. And so all across this room, I pray that there would be a filling of love and grace, that there would be an experience, Lord, that changes them on the inside out. God, we know how we have to get, we know what it takes to get to heaven to be with you. It's accepting you now as Savior. 
but for those people who continue to try and make themselves their savior or other things, I pray you'd break it down, you'd shift it aside, and you would place it with you, Lord. So we look to you, our eyes are on you. We love you, Jesus. You're doing a real good thing, even now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, come on, everybody said, take us away, team.